Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon, And I'm Father Travis Crotty. And we are coming to you from Lamar's, Iowa. From the dining room of the St. James Rectory. Welcome to my home, Father Shane. It's good to be. I've never been in this Thank rectory. You. Thank you. It's a, it's a nice, nice 30s era rectory. Well, the, some nice woodwork, some nice rugs well, and such. It's a, it's a very periodic home because you can tell these old rectories when they had lots of offices and, and living spaces that there's just doors everywhere. Tons of doors. And right behind you, you know, where the kitchen is now open, used to probably be a couple more doors. Right. A lot of doors. Well, and I've, I've been told the, the reason for that was, you know, obviously the house heating. was, well, it was heating, but the house was the office. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, in the early 20th century, a family might come to the door Maybe the housekeeper, or the secretary would answer, it, and they'd take him into a parlor, mm-hmm. and they say, "We're here to plan a we're here to plan a wedding with father." And then another family shows up, and well, okay, we're here to plan a funeral, and they go into this parlor, and so there's a system of doors. Yeah, there was just this constant rotation of doors, just keeping the staff and the and the pastor going. Ah, just meeting. That's why with you everybody. needed so, a porter in the in you the did. old um, did. minor orders to open and close all these doors. Well, especially if you didn't have a good system of setting appointments like we do today, people just show up, right? There you go. Well, that doesn't happen, and this is just form and function. Because uh, All Saints Parish has two churches: St. James and St. Joseph, and the newer church, St. Joseph, has the offices. Mm-hmm. And this is just our living quarters, right. which is kind the of residence. Exactly. Yeah. If, if you'd say the French. Speaking of uh, French uh, language, yes, we were just speaking about this, and, and we got them confused. But I just saw a new movie that's got me all jacked about French cuisine. Ooh, it's just called Julia. And it's oui, about oui. Julia Child. Um, I had never really been exposed. I mean, like cultural reference. I think I knew about Julia. You're Child. too young. I'm way too young, yeah. and I had no idea that she was such like a, a staple of like television culture for like th- three or four decades. Oh yeah, a real breakthrough. Not only as a female personality on television, but also someone who took uh, French cuisine, which is typically considered to be pretty intimidating, and made it accessible to a lot of cooks at home. Yeah. One thing, one detail I loved was no one had ever cooked on television before Julie Child. Mm -hmm. So they were having her on to talk about her cookbook, Mastering the Art of French Cooking, and she requested a hot plate. And the producers of the public station, I think, in Massachusetts said, that's weird. (laughs) Nobody does that. She (laughs) said, still give me the hot plate. We'll just see what happens. She cooked the whole episode on one hot plate. She made some chicken thing. And then... The first episode, it was just an hour of filming with no cuts. Mm-hmm. And it was showing how people would like hide behind the counter to like lift things up so it would be faster. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was great. It was fun. But now I'm all excited about French cooking. My grand, Well, French cooking is great. My grandmother used to watch her. And, you know, Julia, she wasn't the most polished woman. You know, there Not was, at all. There was some, you that know, was like her <laughs> charm almost. Well, exactly. And my grandmother used to mock her. She's just like, oh, Julia Child, you know, drop the chicken on the floor. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, and it dances like this. Yeah, and brush it off and yeah. keep on going, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. It was good. I remember the one time I was able to go to France. Now I can flex on my, you know, one travel to Europe. Yes, and uh, in the, in, in, in the very, you crossed the border, went to ours and got back. Yeah, but you had you'd mentioned, this is really funny. I don't, even, I don't know if Zach and I, now Deacon Zach and I have told you this. 
you had mentioned to us when we were getting off the bus, eat as much French bread as you can possibly can while we're in France for exactly. one day. Exactly. It was true. It was good. <laughs> I, I'm glad we heated your your invitation because at breakfast there was like a baguette that was already cut up in a basket, mm-hmm. but then there was an uncut baguette sitting next to it. So we finished breakfast and clearly the high schoolers that we took didn't heed your call and right. they didn't eat enough bread. So there's this whole baguette left and Zach and I kind of look at each other we're like, well, I mean, they set it out for us. So <laughs> it, this is our breakfast. So sure. we, we tried to stick it in his backpack, but it was too long. So we had to break it in half. <laughs> then after we prayed all day in the church, we had like some time. So we just walked to the next town over. And so we had Paris, or however you say it, the yeah. sparkling water. Right. <laughs> Way too much cheese that we bought at the little grocery store. <laughs> and then this bread. So we walked there, sat down, and ate way too much bread and cheese, and then had to walk like two miles back. Like gut ache. But it was good. It was it was wonderful. You know, um, I think people get very intimidated in France. Um, the language can be a little complicated. Yeah, but <laughs> like really complicated. But it just it's such a simple lifestyle. You can go into like a deli. They, well, they would not call it a deli. They would have actually things div- uh, divided between like meat stores, cheese yeah. stores, and, and bread and bakeries. Bread stores. <laughs> well, yeah, but they would even make a distinction between a bread bakery and like a, a pastry like shop. A croissant. Right. And they... <laughs> That's pretty good, huh? It, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like I'm in Paris, you know. Um, I'm really just trying to get you to do French. Yeah. <laughs> the best was when you were trying to talk to that French priest and like... Your French wasn't good enough, and his English wasn't good enough, so you just both spoke Italian. Yeah, we just that found the common denominator. I was trying my French; he was trying his English, and all we were trying to do was check into the to the rooms at the seminary. That's all we. Were. But while they had that, like somebody just asked the other day if I'd been to that seminary in ours, and I was like, "Yeah." They're like, "Oh, it was awesome!" And the hospitality. I was like, "Except they had this like convocation with all of the priests of their diocese, and their bishop was there." So they're like, uh, "Yeah, sorry, here's a room." Well, yeah, they were. I mean, they were hospitable as they could be, but they were totally committed to this. No, I thought, convocation. I thought they were hospitable. We we were kind of in a back wing. The only thing is, is they made us check out at eight thirty in the morning, and we were planning on having a whole oh, retreat yeah. day there. That's right. Like lighten up on the checkout time, you know? Yeah. How do we take our? What's the French version of a siesta? What do you call it? Well, there is no. No, I, they don't do it. I don't think so. <laughs> That's their issue. Okay. I don't think so. Um, what was I talking about? Anyways, you can go to a French France in this very simple lifestyle. And just have, you know, get some baguettes of bread, get some cheese, get some red wine and some chocolate, and go sit out in a park and just enjoy your life. That's right. And you don't have to go get Duck L'Orange at a, at a nice five-star <laughs> restaurant, you know. It, just the, the, the way they do some of the just basic necessities is just outstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, we're six minutes and 55 seconds into Here this, we and we're still talking about, I don't know how we orange, got on this orange topic. Duck or whatever I don't Duck L'Orange. I don't know how we got in, involved in all of this. But it's good to see you again, Father Travis. Likewise. Anyways, Likewise. what I want to talk about today, rolling along here, rolling along. What I want to talk about today is um, a recent article I saw from some business analysts kind of st- uh, studying consumer trends. And they've noticed with um, Christmas shopping this year, holiday shopping, there's been a, this this recent trend. in. It's visible this year, but it's been growing the past few years of people buying gifts for themselves. Oh. So like you're out Christmas shopping and like, okay, I need this for Uncle Sal and this for Betty Sue. And Uncle then Sal. all of a sudden and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this looks good for me. I think I'll just treat myself today. Ah. And you know, I have no problem like if a family is in, you know, dire need of a new dishwasher and they want to take care of, you know, take advantage of Black Friday sales. Right. Fine. Makes sense. But there's you know, 
it's not just like a, a once or twice happening when all of a sudden like consumer magazine analysts are noticing that this is yeah. a trend that people are kind of just doing self Christmas shopping. You had said treat yourself there because before <laughs> we started recording there, I have, I'm not a huge, uh, parks and rec devotee, um, devotee, if you, if you will. Um, en français. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in this episode of French speaking. Um, but I've seen the episode where Treat Yourself comes from, where Tom and then the other lady, I forget her name, they have a whole day of Treat Yourself. Mm-hmm. So they're going around town doing stuff that treats themselves. Right. <laughs> and then they look at the camera, Treat Yourself, um, when you're kind of pampering yourself. But it appears there's a cultural shift to Treat Yourself. I th- Well, internet ads also focus on that because it, it kind of moves to like basically gift giving now is just so you can get what you want. So you tell people what to get you. I always hate when people, what can I get you for Christmas? It's like, I don't know, just surprise me with something. But now it's like, well, they're not going to get you exactly what you want, so you might as well just buy it yourself. Right. So here's an internet ad that's going to give you your exact tailored thing that you need. We're going to get to the point where we're going to have wedding registries just for Christmas shopping for everybody. Yeah, more or less. That's kind of what's happening. Right. Well, anyways, um, this whole... This whole, you know, trend towards treat yourself, you know, in terms of getting these little Christmas gifts for yourself, um, that's exactly not the spirit of, of what gift giving is during the Christmas season, right? So where did this whole idea of, of Christmas shopping come from? I mean, it wasn't just promoted by a bunch of businesses and retail markets, right? Obviously, the whole Christmas season is predicated on the fact that God so loved his people that he gave his only begotten son, right? The son to the world from the Father the Son taking on human flesh to be one with us, to save us from within the human condition, that itself is the great gift, right? So the whole season is uh, just rooted in the standard of giftedness, right? Christmas just, uh, just screams gift, gift of the Son for the salvation of the world. And then obviously, you know, that then is um, responded to by so many, right? Um the shepherds come to the manger and they want to give the gift of praise and adoration to the Christ child, even in their poverty, if they had nothing to offer. The wise men come and give gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mm-hmm. The whole season is, is gift giving. And what that does from the human perspective is it leads you outside of yourself, right? It leads you towards, towards something beyond you, to a relationship of the other, which, you know, when trying to give back to the Lord, you know, with praise, adoration, uh, and kind of giving a, a resounding song of all the gifts and the talents that he's already given you, that's supposed to lead you out of yourself to an encounter with the other. So the the whole kind of consumeristic trend of well, just you know, collapse inwardly on yourself and take care of my needs and how do I want to how how do I want to pamper myself? That's very antithetical to what Christmas is all about in this the tradition of holiday shopping. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about this before, but obviously, like every culture has this human capacity of giving gifts. Like there's something human about delighting in somebody else's joy when you give them something, Mm -hmm. especially that's like a surprise or, and every culture has traditions associated with gift giving at certain times of the year, different types of gifts. I was just thinking this, there's something particularly Christian though about Christmas gifts. That's almost divinizing. Like as you give gifts in this context of the gift of the incarnation, of God becoming man, you're like participating in that act of gifting, mm-hmm. making a gift of yourself. Right. And that's the language of theology of the body that John Paul II talks about of mutual self-gift in marriage. But then that's that's human because 
to be human is to be made in the image and likeness of God who makes a gift of himself. Um, I'm thinking of like Trinitarian theology too, the father and the son and the Holy spirit, this mutual, the one thing I remember from class, par- perichoresis, pretty yes, good, huh? Yes. Uh, just like this mutual. Ooh la la, yeah, what vocabulary you have. today, yeah. Um, that was a good, still continuation of the French. Trying to keep the French going. No, I'm really, really yes. appreciate it. We wait, we, we need wait. to name this uh, episode with a French title. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the constant gift of self of God is what we're invited into as Christians. So the more we can understand to make a gift of ourselves through like simple gifts, the more we become like God. Mm-hmm. But then it's really obvious the, <laughs> the more we just like focus in on ourselves, the less we become like God. Right. Absolutely. So, I mean, this is going to get a little deep here and it's going to go far beyond what most people think of Christmas shopping, but it's not just kind of like, Ooh, I went out and got uncle Sal a panini maker, you know, it like, because Uncle Sal was feeling a little insecure about his sandwich-making abilities, <laughs> according to the comedian John Panette. Anyways, um, it, it goes a little deeper than that. In fact, much deeper. Um, because as you were just indicating, there is a part of self attached to the gift, right? Um, there, there's, a, there's a bond of love that is exchanged. There's the thoughtfulness, first of all, that goes into the gift purchasing or the thinking of the gift or perhaps even a, a creation of a gift if it's like something homemade. Um, but then the, in the exchange of that, I think one is actually kind of giving a part of themselves, you know, through this gesture of love, through the emotions attached to this gift, wanting to know that this gift could benefit somebody, wanting to kind of maybe see the surprise on their face, like, oh, this is really touching. There's a bond there in the, in the gesture of generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Chesterton even pointed out um, – Sorry, we're going to cross the English Channel here and go into England. We're leaving Ooh. France for the moment. Okay, um, Chesterton even pointed out he was he was buying gifts, you know, one day for Christmas, and there was a clerk kind of wrapping them all up in um, brown parcel wrapping, kind of the old school, you know, English English, if you if you will, right? Yeah, and he 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 just had this sudden revelation. Just this, it just dawned on him like. All of these gifts, these tokens of my love and affection for others, are being wrapped in packaging paper, in Christmas wrapping, which is very incarnational, right? Mm. Divine love kind of being wrapped in humanity. Um, the, whole, the whole movement of incarnation is divinity being wrapped in humanity, coming to earth in order for us to have the encounter. And so he, he said, I never thought about the incarnation again when I saw kind of these gifts being wrapped in wrapping paper. Now, most of the time we just kind of destroy the wrapping paper and throw it away immediately. And unless, you're, unless you're a crazy person and make you, make you save it and fold it up. Well, you know, maybe there are some people trying to be Very a little frugal. thrifty. You're right, you're right. You know, there are. You know, laudato si, you That's know. Right. absolutely. Let's not hurt the environment. Anyways, um, there's a lot more going on with gift giving than... Um, you know, they're just trying to kind of fulfill this duty because it's it's become a cultural standard. Mm-hmm. No, the the standard was set by God Himself in giving so generously. You know, in wanting to have us have a means of salvation through His own divine Son, who is wrapped in humanity, who who assumes humanity, um, and that divinity gets hidden underneath the humanity. So it's probably not to intimidate or just to completely blind us while on Earth in Jesus's days on Earth. But then our participation in that continues that act of generosity and the bond of love that is exchanged between giver and gift receiver, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
I'm thinking in the context of like packages. <laughs> that's a Grinch quote. Packages, boxes, bags. Um, I've started getting Christmas cards from people who still do that kind of old-fashioned tradition of sending out Christmas cards. Mm-hmm. Um, a picture of their family, but even people who just send a Christmas card mm-hmm. with a greeting on it that doesn't have any gift associated with it, any money. Mm-hmm. And I just thought as I was opening a few of them, one, I was just really grateful that like they they felt the freedom to send a card without kind of the attaching like money to it or something. It's always really great when people offer that little gift on the side too. But I just thought of how that tradition probably started. And it's beautiful to consider this desire of a people to connect with one another mm-hmm. around this season, around this holiday, as they prepare to celebrate Christmas, there's this desire like, I want to be a part of your life. Mm-hmm. I want you to be part of my life. And then Christmas cards get sent around. Right. And I love that that tradition has been retained. I don't know if I'll get into the practice of sending out like hundreds of Christmas cards. Oh, I do um, it. Do you do it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, wow. It's very time consuming, but it, it, it provides that, that bond and that connection that you're talking about. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I might want to challenge our listeners on in this episode, there's plenty of people who feel outcast in this world. And this season, with the whole theme of gift-giving, standardized by God himself, how might we actually be able to reach out to others who are outcasts? Rather than collapsing and focusing inwardly on yourself, mm-hmm. who is it out there that is feeling a little outcast in which, in a very small gesture of generosity, a bond can be established or maybe just enhanced or, or reconnected. And and this doesn't have to be huge, you know. Is there an elderly person down the street, you know, for whom you could just simply drop off a plate of Christmas cookies? Um, is a mailman, maybe your garbage collector, uh, a local police officer who's, you know, typically doing patrol in your neighborhood, would a small card, a small gesture, a gift certificate just go a really long way um, to really enhance those bonds of community and to build one another up. Christmas is a great opportunity to say we are not outcast. We are one people saved by Jesus, our Savior born in Bethlehem. And it's a great opportunity to also just build up the, those bonds of community to say this one family keeps expressing you know, the bonds of love year-round, but especially in this most sacred time, you know, in, the, in the final days of Advent and the coming days of Christmas. Right. Um, might just be something that our, our listeners can think about. Is there someone in your life that's feeling a little outcast right now that a very small gesture of love might just reassure them of the support and the love of the Christian community around them? Yeah. Well, gosh, and just in the context of all these synod meetings we've been having in our diocese, and mm-hmm. some dioceses are doing it just at the diocesan level, deanery level, parish level, what has become abundantly clear is that young people feel outcast. And older people see that they like are outcast and not connected. Mm-hmm. Older people really want young people to be involved. They want teens to be cancering. They want to see more activity happening in the church. But then those young people, especially in small in our diocese in, North, in Northwest Iowa, those who have moved in and still don't feel connected, even after like 20 years, or those who are brand new to a community. So, I mean, that's beautiful, the creativity that comes of looking around in your life and seeing the people who are like in your community and like police officers and whoever else. But I mean, literally just when you go to Sunday, if you're going to Sunday mass, look around, like there is somebody that you know is a, is like a transplant and probably doesn't have the family and feel connected. Mm -hmm. Reaching out to them could be a game changer Mm -hmm. for this culture of like communion within our parishes, especially in this time of um, the gift giving that happens Mm -hmm. at Christmas. Absolutely. 
Or maybe you could just simply bake some French baguettes and pass them around the neighborhood. You know, voila. We're back to France. <laughs> we here. are back. We're back to France. Buy some French wine and French cheese and give it out to all your neighbors. I'll just go buy that for myself. <laughs> treat yourself. <laughs> yes, Father, you've been listening so carefully. You yes. go treat yourself today. Well, those are some good thoughts to think about as we go into the sacred days of Christmas. Um, what is the real spirit of gift giving? And how might uh, the bonds of community, community be, li- be really lifted up based on what God has done for us in the great gift of his son? Absolutely. Good hanging out with you, Father. Thanks for your hospitality here in the rectory. Anytime. At St. James, lovely location. And uh, let's just keep each other in prayer and blessings on these final days of Advent and in the coming days of Christmas to all of our listeners. Always good to be with you. Yeah, God bless everybody. Give some gifts. Treat yourself when you need to, but try to treat everybody else in the spirit of the season. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.